Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. here in Cincinnati, Ohio. Hope everything's well with you, wherever you are. Anyhow, thank you all for tuning in once again. Uh, I'm declared a sports world called The Clown Times Hour with K, by the way. And, of course, it's the podcast component of The Clown Times called The Clown Hour. You'll be able to find my, my blog on the web at www.theclowntimes.net. And you're able to find me on Facebook as well. <clears throat> Excuse me. Just go to the search window, whether you're on your smartphone, your laptop, or your desktop, if you're old school, or if you're at work right now, um, just do a search for the Clown Times. Again, that's Clown spelled with K. You can find me there as well. We have a lot to get into tonight. Um, this, this football is around the corner. Glory, glory, hallelujah. We're going to start hitting some conference, college conference previews, mainly Power 5, because it's basically no one gives a damn about the... <laughs> about the uh, group of five. But anyway, we're going to touch on the big chances. We touched on the ACC two weeks ago with my guys from the ACC, all sports, ACC sports blog. We're going to hit the big 10 because as far as many goes, the big 10 is king. <laughs> you know what they say, you know, it's good to be king these days. But uh, we're going to touch on this with two uh, sports writers. The first one, um, he actually, well, they're actually both FWAA members. Um you know, he's a, a, a Belintnikov voter, uh, as well as writer for the College Football News and the writer and publisher for the Book Out Wire. Uh, his name is Phil Harrison, as well as um, uh, a gentleman who is the um, also an FWAA member. Uh, he's also he's the publisher of Talking Big, as far as B.I.G. Big Ten, Talking Badgers, as well as founder of Beat the Coverage, and has his own show called the Andrew Copeland Coppin Show, writer. He's Andrew Coppins, and you can also hear them both uh, when they are not arguing with each other on uh, podcasts that, that they have together. So, uh, Phil, Andrew, welcome. How y'all doing? Doing good, man. How are you? Thanks for having I'm us. I'm doing all right. Cool, cool. I, I'm very excited about this because, uh, you know, I checked out both of you guys, what you do for the Big Ten, and being that I live in Big Ten country, it's just now Ohio, I figure – 
Well, why don't we talk a lot, a lot of Big Ten, uh, like, like, because I am, uh, you know, I'll, I'll make a quick confession. I'm from the ACC country. I, I'm originally from New York, Brooklyn, but I grew up in North Carolina. And so when you grow up in North right. Carolina, you're bombarded by the likes of UNC, Duke. You know, I went to NC State. I'm an NC State grad. And actually, I grew up mm. maybe 10 or 11 miles from Wake Forest. So I come into this very ACC-centric, <laughs> but living here and having a wife who's born and raised here is a snatty. I've come to love and appreciate Big Trend, especially when it comes to football. So, you know, you know, of course, living in Cincinnati is Ohio State all day, all the time. Um, so, <laughs> so I'm pretty indoctrinated in the Big Ten, in the, in the, in the Big Ten. So I hope we have some fun with that. Uh, well, first, we got some, um, we got something. Let's say we got something in common then, because I'm originally from North Carolina myself, but I'm a Carolina guy. Oh, is that right? Um, so I got that nice. one against you. Um, and of course, from Columbus. So <laughs> right. we got we got I got Big Ten and ACC in my blood too. Oh wow, that's talk, talk about a conflict. Um, so basically, you know, what, uh, what you're saying is 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 that you kind of understand both sides. You know, you 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 come from that's university right. where fans are alone for being obnoxious, and yeah, you come from the fan a team whose fan base is also perceived as very obnoxious. So you got the best of both worlds, I guess. Yeah, and I won't say which fan base belongs to which group, but yeah, I hear you absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll get into it right quick. Uh, but first of all, um, let's start with you, Phil. Um, let's get the pink, big, fat elephant out of the room, shall we? Um, the Urban Mile, Ohio State fiasco. Pretty much, you know, everything centered around one Zach Smith. You know, unfortunately, he was involved in domestic violence. And, you know, it wouldn't be as bad, but it trickled down to um, Coach Meyer because there's a there's, – well, a few things. It's multifaceted, and, and, and uh, I'm going to let each of you individually get into that in a minute. But it centers around to me what did Meyer know? When did he know it? I mean, there's some stuff that came out that from Zach, some of us from Zach Smith himself, that, you know, he knew as far as a few years ago when he put, when he'd be an Urban Meyer, warned him. It says, you know, you know I, I'll support you, but if you, if anything comes out to be true, your ass is gone, essentially. So, and then fast forward to uh, the actual press conference where the infamous exchange, terse exchange between Meyer and one, 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 one of the reporters in terms of when did he know about Zach Smith's allegations, how did he figure, how, how did he follow up, things like that. And Meyer just had a regrettable moment where he just blew up at him, basically. And when stuff came out after that, when stuff started hitting the fan, of course, that led to Meyer being placed on administrative leave, knowing what's going to happen to him. Uh, people are speculating, would it be fired? Will he be suspended? I personally think he wins to them, must be fired, but that's just me being cynical. Uh, Phil, what, uh, Phil what, uh, what's your take on this? And, and I'll get to Andrew to follow up on the her, uh, Urban Meyer fiasco. Should he be fired, first of all? And why am I? Yeah, so that's, that's a tough question to answer. And I, and I know my partner, Andy, here is going to, you know, we, we actually talked about this uh, a few days ago. And by the way, I, I've been in a meeting for this. This thing's changed so many times. I've been in a meeting for two hours, so I hope I didn't miss something over the last two hours. It seems like something keeps coming out. <laughs> no, no worries. More on it. Uh, so, right. but, you know, Monday when, it, when, me, when Andy and I talked, it was I was for, for sure Urban Meyer was going to let go. They were going to let him go. There was just right. too much going on. 
there's too much out there. Mm-hmm. And not only from the standpoint of it looked bad, but not only the PR right. mess that Ohio State has to handle. But now as we go further mm-hmm. on here, it's beginning to look like, you know, maybe I've come a little bit back towards him maybe staying on because I just, you know, there's been so much come out. I have no idea what the truth is, to be honest with you. And I think the only people that are going to know yeah. that truth are, are going to be, first of all, the court case isn't going to get done, right? So these allegations, this court case right. is going to go on well past two weeks, obviously. So you're not going to get any information there. Where the most information you're going to get out of is this investigative committee that's been formed. They're going to know more than anything. Right. So to me, it boils down real simple, though. I can't really answer whether it should be fired or not because I don't have the enough information to make that decision. They, I hope, will. But I think the way things are all leading to this point is, you know, he, he says he reported it, so there's not an issue there. If it, again, if it's truthful, it really boils down very right. simply to this, in my, in my opinion. Urban Meyer had a guy that has, you know, a decade-long list of allegations of domestic violence. So it'll be clear it's allegations. There's nothing that has uh, been set in stone yet, but that's still troublesome, right? Is his administration right, okay with that? Is his administration okay with the fact that he knew – potentially, that he had a guy that had these allegations and didn't do anything about it. That's what it all boils down to. So, you know, if the worst-case scenario here is that he does a big old cover-up and everything, of course, I believe that Urban Meyer shouldn't be the coach anymore. Um, but if it's somewhere in the middle, mm-hmm. I really feel like he's probably going to survive this thing now, maybe with a suspension. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then Ohio State's going to have a big PR mess on their – I don't know how they're going to spin it and how they're going to tap dance around it. Um, so I, right. I guess to, not to cop out. But I can't at this point with the information I have, I can't really say whether the guy should be fired or not. That's going to be uh, for the committee to decide. And I know Mr. Coppins is going to have sure. plenty to say about it as well. And that's why yeah. I have more. So, Andrew, the floor is yours, brother. Yeah, so I'm going to sort of agree with Phil on some aspects of this. But I think it's important is that committee is given a, a good length of time to get to the bottom of this. And I think that's the important thing. The other aspect of this that right. a lot of people are missing is that, for me, this comes down to Ohio State doing the CYA that they didn't do when they – I cannot remember the, the coach's name, but Phil, you'll remember. Trestle? The maybe? basketball – no. Jim O'Brien. Jim O'Brien. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. That they yeah. fired. It's a different sport. Yes, different sport, but this is a similar situation where there are it's sad that there's a few. It's sad that there's a few instances that we can pick from, is it not? <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. But there were it's allegations. For you. you know, and there were allegations against him, not proven, not chargeable <clears throat> offenses. And Ohio State went and fired, then ended up losing a court case and having to pay the coach a That's ton right. of money. So Ooh. this is part part of it i think is getting to the bottom the other part of this is we can't repeat the mistake of the past and so i I come down on the investigative committee is a good thing but it's also a way for ohio state to cover their bases i still think in the end what it comes down to is that you have people that are involved in higher education today and a lot of those people are in the the me too movement and and all of those types of things and ultimately, this, this, you know, in 2018, in 2015, I think Urban Meyer might have survived. I think they could have said, okay, you right. reported it. Um, Zach Smith is going to get fired. You reported it. You're okay. What I don't think they're going mm-hmm. to be able to come away with is, ultimately, how do you 
square this on the university side with what is go- what is happening around campuses, around sexual assault, domestic violence, and, and the things of that nature. Sure. I don't know how you can square yep. keeping this guy on your staff. Now, he definitely did the right thing in firing him when they found out about um, the other part of this, which was the, the aggravated assault uh, part of this. Um, mm-hmm. And so when that became public, they, you know, he, Irvin Meyer had to do what he had to do. I personally think he ends right. up getting fired. I think it's coming down to, in this investigative committee, do they find cause or are they going to buy his contract out? And Which I, I think Gene Smith is doing the smart thing as well here because what he's doing is washing his hands of the decision-making because, again, in 2015, according to Urban Meyer, who's told two different versions of the story, that you know, he let Gene Smith know, and Gene Smith did some sort of investigating. So Gene Smith is going to let people do the other part of this investigation and take himself away from it. I think that's a smart move, too. We'll see what ends up happening. I, I can see a scenario where he doesn't get fired, but the longer this goes on, I will say this. The, the crazier the conspiracy theories and the, <laughs> the twisting of minds gets, it's absolutely crazy on Twitter right now. No kidding. Yeah. I can imagine that. I have a buddy of mine who I, who I do radio shows with one Saturday out of each month, and he's an Ohio State homer. And I know he's listening right now. He he was just had a Twitter fit the last few days, <laughs> especially against one Brett McMurphy and ESPN, even though Brett McMurphy <laughs> no longer works for ESPN. You know, he, he just went off, and he's not the only one. And – now, plus, I mean, but but here's but here's why I come on, on this, gentlemen, um, is that you, I know, like Andrew, you mentioned the buyout. It's like was it two or what thirty eight mil? Thirty eight point six. And so it might up, be up to forty million if they have to pay out all the. Wow. Buyout. Wow. Well, there you go. I mean, <laughs> I guess my cynicism probably forty million reasons why my for, like for my cynicism. And to the, and also to the fact that he just wins too damn much, like I said earlier, I'm just acidic by nature. Um, I just think what it boils down to, to me, and now you, now you guys are much closer to this than I am, but from my vantage point, I think that all, like during that ill-fated press conference when Urban Meyer just lit up that reporter, I just think that if Urban Meyer says something to enough, you know what, I cannot comment on it. There's an investigation going on, so I can't comment on it. And just reaffirms that position. I don't think he's getting the blowback that he's, that he's gotten over the past few days. And I don't think his – and I don't think he – silly me, I don't think he would have been, like, on place of administrative leave if he just didn't light up that uh, uh, um, that report the way he did. Right. Because it's a bad look. It, it, it gives the impression that he knew about it, he's lying. And yeah. according to and, you know, what was said, it may not be the case, but it's just a bad look for him. Yeah, and, and Phil, you know, we talked about this on the podcast uh, on Monday night um, that dropped on t- uh, Monday. It was really simple for me. It's always the case of the cover-up being worse than the crime. If Urban, right. like yeah, said, exactly. if Urban Meyer would have either said, I can't comment because there's an ongoing legal investigation – or two, you know, I, I haven't been able to see the full report and I don't want to comment until I know all of what's going on. 
If he would have said something along those lines, he would have bought himself the time and then come out on Friday with, with the statement that he did. The narrative around this is different. It's always the yeah. lie, the right. cover-up that gets you in more trouble. And my question on Monday still remains the same today. Which which yeah. version of what Urban Meyer said is the truth? Everybody seems to take his statement at face value. But everybody also went, hmm, um, you know, his full-throated denial, um, you know, back during Big Ten media days, they took that for that's fishy, but also at its face value. So it'll be interesting to see what version of that story that Urban has told actually becomes the truth. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And I agree with you guys 100%. Like, denying it just made this a ton worse. Now, I will go further, though, and say that even though, had he said no comment, that would the best thing to do, right? Say no comment, and I'll get back to you guys, basically. Right. It's an ongoing investigation. I do, say, I do still think people will be calling for his head because we're still arriving to the point where he had a guy with allegations of domestic abuse for a decade, and there would be a groundswell, I think, that would have came out and still right. called for it, but it would not be to the level that it is today. There's, I guarantee you that. But anytime you lie and someone catches you in a lie, especially in the media, when you're in charge of a program like Ohio State, you, you know, you're not doing yourself any favors. Yeah, and that's going to be weird. That's going to be a weird-ass day, press conference, when if they do decide to let him go, if Ohio State does have some teeth and let him go, um, that would be beyond surreal. But let me ask this, and, and, and Andrew, I'll throw it to you first, and Phil, feel free to follow. Who the hell is going to coach them? Like, who, like I, I know that they said that there was a, there was a guy on staff who's, gonna, who's, like, who's, doing the, who's, who's, who's in charge of the interim, right, you know, currently. But Brian Day. obviously yep. I don't think they're going to go over them. Right. I don't think they're going to go with the long term. So what would be the move if they go nuclear and let go of Urban Meyer? Well, I touched on this on the podcast as well. I think the obvious answer is, is to keep it in-house for this season. The good news, if you're yep. Ohio State, is you have guys by the name of Kevin Wilson and Greg Schiano who have years of head coaching experience at the collegiate level in right. that program. And one of them is on each side of the ball. It is the best-case scenario if Urban Meyer is let go. You don't have to do anything. Now, in terms of the long-term answer, I don't think either one of those two would be the long-term answer if for the only reason that you're just coming off of a, a second you – know, you just fired a coach the second time. So you've had Jim Trestle. Now you've got Urban Meyer. Both of them fired in the wake of scandal, not because they either retired or couldn't perform, mm-hmm. whatever that, that right. might be. You can't – Kevin Wilson has – things in his past in terms of player mistreatment allegations at Indiana, Greg Schiano, and whatever you want to believe or not believe about the Penn State situation. <laughs> and I think that's a whole other can of worms. Yeah, that's a can, can, can of worms. <laughs> <laughs> but both of them have things in their past, so you can't hire either one of those on a long-term basis. The other part of this is where do you turn? You can't turn – there aren't yeah. a lot of big names or names that are coming up in the in the group of five, you, you can't turn to Scott Frost. You can't turn to Brian Harrison or you know those guys. The guy at Boise State, who is Brian Harrison? You, there aren't guys in yeah. the MAC that are coming up. You know, do you turn to a Matt Campbell at at Iowa State? 
personally, I don't think that's the route that that Matt Campbell wants to go. I think he enjoys the chase and he enjoys building programs rather than just having it the keys to a national championship caliber program handed to him. Uh, it, right. It, they're in a really interesting situation uh, if you look into the future of where they would go for this hire. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's very so, interesting. So, right. I was going to say, not to, I think you throw it to me next, but I, it's not often that Andy and I agree a lot, but I, I can't really disagree with <laughs> much know. of anything that he said in, in this case. It's the, you know, if you believe Ohio State fans, and look, I want to be clear, I think, I think we mentioned this, I write for an Ohio State website, but I'm not, I try to be as objective as possible, and Andy can tell you I'm probably harder on Ohio State than I am anybody else. Um, but if you believe mm-hmm. Ohio State fans, which can be very vocal and very focused, if that's the right word to use, um, they're going to bring Vince yeah, Lombardi back from the dead to coach. You know, I mean, they, Ohio right. State thinks they're going to get the big fish. We're talking about Bob Stoops, and Bob Stoops ain't coming out of retirement, right? And he's, he's done. So I, they really yeah. are in a bit of a quandary because, as, as Andy mentions, there's not a whole lot on the landscape out there right now. I mean, if you go to Tom Herman, you know, that's a name obviously you would think of because he was the offensive coordinator under Urban Meyer, but he really hasn't proven himself as a head coach at a big-time program yet. I mean, he's still getting the right. case worked out of Texas. So, you right. know, and, and like Andy said, Ryan Day doesn't have enough experience to keep this thing past this year if that's what they're going to do. And the whole Shiano and, and – um, I'm sorry, it's Shiano Kevin and uh, Kevin Wilson Shiano. situation, again, is right. it's one of those things where if you're coming off of uh, getting rid of a guy because of domestic violence stuff, you really want to deal with that PR nightmare as well. So uh, Matt Campbell has right. been the name, I think, that's coming up over and over and over again. And I know Andy doesn't want him to go because he's an Iowa State guy, uh, but that seems to be mm-hmm. the name that, that more and more people are throwing is, is the guy that probably would be the front runner in the long term. But look, we try to figure this stuff out all the time, and it seems to always come out of left field. I mean, the Urban Meyer thing was a slam dunk. Everyone figured that one out. But who would have called Jim Trestle, mm-hmm. you know, years ago? I mean, yeah. so this is going to right. be – and John Cooper. So, Well, let me, let me throw know. one other name out here. Okay. Bo Pelini, Youngstown State to Ohio State. No way. <laughs> no, <laughs> no way. way. Yeah. I'm, I'm no joking. Way. totally joking. Dude. <laughs> Can you imagine the red part of the package have on the sidelines of Columbus? <laughs> part of the package would be in his in his contract. He'd have to have anger management classes, full scale, all the way through. I'm about to say, maybe. <laughs> oh God! Imagine that. Dude, yeah. Can you imagine that dude on the sidelines? <laughs> he's already high. Yeah, it's, it's like imagine yeah, the Ohio State Michigan game. He's him and Harbaugh going at it. Oh Lord, that's must see TV. <laughs> just, just for the sidelines. I would pay. I would pay. I would pay for that. There's no doubt. Yeah, but could you imagine if, if Ohio State were to go Seattle? And, put, and look, granted, Seattle has a long – he's been around. He knows what he, he knows. He knows what the hell he's doing for X and O standpoint. You said which one about his personality. Could you imagine that can of worms that were, oh, people bring up yeah. Penn State it's, all over again? I mean, God. Oh, Yeah, unfortunately, I think he would – I think it, would, it probably would have been a different conversation if the Tennessee thing hadn't happened. Right, I think that right. whole Tennessee fiasco has pretty much tarnished him at going anywhere in a big-time program. And so I think it could have yeah. probably happened. You would have heard a little bit about it, but I think it could have happened before that. Now there's no way. You know, he should sue the, he should sue the pants off of uh, Randy uh, – not Randy, Clay, but uh, – Clay Travis. Clay Travis. Yeah. I mean, he should sue the hell out of that guy. He, he, he almost single-handedly ruined Seattle. And he has ruined his chances of 
scorching a bit of, of, of a mate of a pile of fives, but that was just a that was just a hot ass mess. Uh, but let's go from one to another thing that will get y'all upset to another thing that will probably really get you upset: the college football <laughs> playoff committee. Yes, the same people who, for some reason, kept the house—I mean, we knew why—but kept the house State out of the playoff and put Alabama team in, who didn't even win, not even didn't win his own conference, but didn't even win his own damn division. Okay, and of course it worked out at the end. But look, I know that you can't get curb stomp in Iowa City, and I know it's hard to play in Iowa. Iowa's a difficult <laughs> place to play. But you can't be on the back end of a 51 point, the 51 to whatever it was, beat down, okay, on national television. 55 to 26. Plus, I get reminded of it every day by Iowa fans. <laughs> and, 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 and if that wasn't bad, the first, was the first second game of the season? No, second game of the season. When uh, you, you guys lost, uh, uh, like, big to Oklahoma. Oklahoma at home. Yeah, that that really that that really set y'all. But I, I like I think I would just put the nail on y'all's coffin, even though you guys were still a great team. So I thought to Phil, did your did the did, did the college football player committee screw your the Ohio State University, or did they get it right with Alabama? Hindsight, I'm gonna surprise. Of course, I'm gonna surprise Andy here. I don't really think they got screwed over. I mean, I think it was it was such raz- such a razor thin type of scenario that I think you could have gone either way. Uh-huh. And been okay. And, and the problem is Ohio State did lose two games, so they have no one to blame but themselves. And the two games they lost, right. by the way, were, were not even close. One was at home. Right. And then, again, 55-26 to 26 against Iowa, who we all know struggles at times to be consistent. Mm-hmm. So, I don't, you know, I don't think – I'm not necessarily ready to call it a snub. What I, what I was a little bit upset about is the scheduling. I think we've got to get uniform with the scheduling because – you know, this isn't a new mm-hmm. argument. You've probably heard this, but Alabama and the and SEC only play eight conference games. Big Ten yeah. plays nine. It's, it's, um, it's, Ohio just State, it's just atrocious. Yeah. Ohio State went out and scheduled Oklahoma for a non-conference. Well, and Alabama's still playing, you know, an FCS school and, 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 and beating the pants off of them. So, and Mercer. Right. So that, you know, when you're, when you're right. trying to compare apples and, and oranges, it gets really tough. Do I, do I think the committee made the right choice? Yeah, Probably. You know, and that's probably that's hard for people to hear, Ohio State fans, especially from a Ohio State website. Um, but right. you know, Ohio State lost two games rather convincingly, and so they got no one to blame but themselves. I think they would have. I think it could have done well in the playoff, but you got to take the whole body of work, and the whole body of work was just a little bit less than than what they needed, in my opinion. Right, right. That's a that's a good point. So, Andrew, what say you, sir? I totally agree. I think that they're that they made the right choice given what was in front of them. And like Phil said, I, I think last year was a great case for uniformity in college uh, conference scheduling. It's either eight or nine right. games. Let us know. And everybody plays on the same playing field. Well, you know, what you can't right. control is what somebody else does. And the only problem that I have is that we have heard for the first three years of the college football playoff that winning your conference, winning divisions, winning something matters. And that was my big – the best conference in college football last season didn't get a shot at the national title in a playoff season. Mm-hmm. That's what bothers right. me most is that if you truly value winning and winning tough 
conferences, then that's what really right. mattered. I, I, I truly could have made a case, and this might surprise Phil, that Ohio State did get screwed. But you can also look at Alabama and say, well, they did go out in the field and win. Uh, right. you know, but it's so tough in college football because there's so much subjectivity, and it's part of what makes it fun, but it's also a part of it, part of what makes it maddening because all it takes is to get hot for two games and or mm-hmm. get the right matchups for two games. You know, you play. You know, Alabama plays a, a team that's a power team, uh, Wisconsin or uh, Georgia. You know, those power running game teams, and they eat them alive with that speed on defense. But they can't handle sure. teams that can throw the ball all over the place. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out in year five. I think ultimately there are some things that will end up happening at the end of this contract uh, for television that will change this to an eight-game playoff. You get every conference champion in. You allow for you know maybe the, the, you know three wild cards where you could make a case. Guess what? Ohio State and Alabama, you're both in. Uh, UCF, you had that mm-hmm. outstanding you come on in. Um, right. Auburn, you come on in. Or Wisconsin, you come on in. You know, I, and, and, let's, and let's play it. Let's, let's do it. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens um, in, what, about three or four years when that contract comes due, uh, what they do uh, with that scenario. Yeah. Well, well, you know, yeah, you know, I, for, for me, I, I, I'm, I'm one of those get-off-my-lawn type of guys. Uh, I was one of the ones who thought the BCS was a big step up from the old school, let the AP and the UPI or whatever the hell decided, the coaches poll decided. Um, and I was happy as hell when they decided to have a 14th playoff. I'm all about exclusivity. That's just me. Uh, but, look, I should, like, it stood, but, but to me, if they were to expand the playoff, I would say let all 10 conference champions participate. That way you have a true tournament of champions. Maybe to make it even out, maybe even out, I can't believe I'm saying this, but maybe even out to 12 just to get an even round robin type of thing, like like, like an even number per round, make a home field advantage for those teams, obviously the higher speed in this case, so that you won't get a group of five bitching about not having a shot. Um, you know they get blown out probably the first round anyway, but that's not a here nor a there. I, but no offense to you guys, but I was pulling hard for Wisconsin and the Big Ten to a Big Ten title game. That is game no offense to me. Well, hey, yeah, he's a Wisconsin guy. You know, because right, because the back of my mind, just because none none against Ohio State, but the back of my mind, I knew that if Ohio State were to win, and I thought they would win. They obviously did win. They're going to find a reason to put Alabama in. I, I, someone was telling me they're going to find a reason to get Bama in there. Now, if Wisconsin would have won, you know, this would have been a moot a, a, a issue. But That's right. I knew, I just knew if Ohio, just, just because of those two bad losses, not because they're a bad team, but the two bad losses, even though Alabama got their asses kicked by Auburn, like a week before – the conference championship game, the SEC conference championship game, people still were filling Bama. And I knew that if Ohio State were to win, this would be a pivotal moment for the college football playoff committee. Do we do they stick with chalk and score the conference champion 
results be damned, eye test be damned, or go up the eye test. And they chose the eye test. And, yeah, um, yeah and that's said the rest is history. So it's going to be interesting to see how the college playoff committee goes forward because they broke rank. And so now the whole can of worms open. What do we get, like, another year with two conference teams? Will two conferences get two teams? Would that be their final four? So it's yeah, going to be very interesting. But, yeah, it's going to be crazy. The, the, one th- the one thing they haven't broken rank on is getting a team with two losses in. I think that's next. Mm. Uh, yeah. And it, it couldn't. So they've already broken the rank of the conference champion. They've already put two teams in the same conference. So why not just throw the whole thing upside down and do one with two losses? It obviously depends on the population this year. But as good as the Big Ten is this year, you might have – you might be sitting with a Big Ten champion with two losses again. So we may be dealing with this right. again this year. Well, to me, I think that and – this, and this goes back to scheduling a little bit. Because you don't want – the last thing I want to see are teams that get punished for playing good schedules, punished for challenging themselves. Right. You know, I, I, I would love to see more Ohio State-Oklahoma matchups. I would love to see more Notre Dame-Michigan matchups, more um, – I'm spitballing here. Like, what's Jen's going to play NC State and Raleigh this year? I would love to see more matchups like that. Clemson, Texas A&M, home and home. It's going to start this season. Mm-hmm. I would love to see more of that. I, I don't want to see those teams get punished because Alabama or some other squad plays like Clown College or Happy Hill University and gets, you know, <laughs> <laughs> gets the benefit of the doubt. I just don't want to see that. But I, I, just, I, just, I just hope that they, the teams that really schedule big boy football don't get too severely punished. That's what I'm Well, and think about it. Yeah, I totally agree. And if you're Alabama, what – what reason do you have to go out and schedule at this point? Right. Tough teams. Exactly. I mean, they, we all know what they do. We all know what they do. They go and they play a neutral site opponent, you know, a big time neutral site opponent. They never go to their place at home, home. Yeah. And then right. they, and then they go ahead and they run through their conference schedule and have an FCS school in there. And that's been enough for them because it's Alabama. So why, if I'm Alabama or an SEC school, that's why do I go out and schedule that way? And I think if you're big Ten right. and Jim Delaney, you got to think about, you really got to take a look at how you're scheduling. And do you want to keep it that mm-hmm. way? I know, I know how Jim Delaney feels on it. And, I, Andy, I know you know that, too, is he's going to continue to schedule and have his, his conference teams encourage him to schedule the way they have been. But you really – I mean, right. it does need to be looked at. <clears throat> unless the SEC comes back on and starts scheduling a little bit tougher. Yeah, with yeah. Jim Delaney, I mean, the, the thought process here is very simple. Before they went to the nine-game conference schedule, Everybody hammered the Big Ten because they didn't get enough of the cross-divisional matchups. Right. It was Wisconsin versus Michigan, your Ohio State versus uh, Nebraska, or whatever the case might have been, right? So that's the reason why they went right. there, because the college football playoff committee said, you guys need more of these, these big matchups mm-hmm. in your conference because your conference champion is a little diluted. So what ended up happening is they got the worst of both worlds. You end up getting more competitive and then get punished for it. I didn't yep. like that message. I think that was the, the part that I didn't care for in what they did last season. Um, I, but it, it is such uh, – the other thing I wanted to mention with the college football playoff real quick is we have to take these things in a vacuum. 
one year right. isn't equal to the next year. And this year, we could end up with three teams that are undefeated, and the fourth team is a one-loss conference champion, maybe in Ohio State or Wisconsin or Michigan or Michigan State. And they're one-loss team, and they've beaten, you know, really great competition. In the case of whoever comes out of the Big Ten this season, if it's Wisconsin out of the West, they've played both Michigan and Penn State. Both of those games, I believe, are on the road. On the road, yep. Title game. Yeah, so they have mm-hmm. really tough opponents out of the East. They've played, uh, you know, then they go into the Big Ten Championship game against whomever is in, out of that East division. And let's say it's Ohio State, and they finally get over that hump. How do you, it doesn't matter if they would have lost one of those regular season games to Michigan or Penn State. How do you keep them out? How do you keep an Ohio State out if their only loss is to, uh, to Michigan State or uh, you know, with top ten team inside their own division. I, I, it's going to be really intriguing to see how this all shakes itself out. And one thing we can always count on, college football is going to get crazy when it comes to November. You bet. Yeah, and that's and – that's, and look, as long as – well, the, the, uh, let me ask y'all, y'all, y'all this before we get the teams to watch. Just one more question so it's around the, the playoff uh, fiasco. Do you ever envision a time where all five power conferences play nine conference games? Because right now the SEC and the ACC are the lone holdouts. So do you think it would there be a time where all conferences play nine games, or are we just stuck with just some ir- some irregularities that some teams, some conferences will obviously take advantage of? I, I, I don't. I, I don't think that would be Andrew. Yeah, Both go ahead. <laughs> <Ooh>. um, <laughs> What I believe will happen is that the ACC will come around when they have the ACC network, you know, completely com- complete, completed and, and all of that sort of stuff yeah. uh, taken care of. Once that happens, I think you go nine games because you're getting more competitive football. You know, Pittsburgh is getting better. Right. NC State is getting better. You know, they're, they're much yes, more competitive. Are, and I don't understand the whole fire Dave Doran thing. That's for another – situation. We're just crazy um, fan base. We're crazy fan base. <laughs> and, yeah, you got you got your you got your Florida State. You you got Miami that's you know up there as well now. So the, the ACC's got better competition. Why not keep some of that competition in house? Can you know condense and, and let that let your champion be a much better looking champion on paper. Ultimately I think that right. comes down to the SEC. If their strength because they arguably they were at their pinnacle three years ago. I think you're starting to see mm-hmm. the strength, the overall strength of the SEC declining. You know, your Florida is mm-hmm. not a national power. You're, you've got Georgia, you've got Auburn, you've got Alabama, Texas A&M maybe with their move from Jimbo Fisher, but they're not right now. Uh, Missouri, no. Vanderbilt, no. But so point being, they're not at the height they once were. They don't have the top of the perch anymore. That belongs to the Big Ten. If the Big Ten can bully mm-hmm. their way to say, we, as the toughest conference, play this, why aren't you? And the SEC, the only thing they have, you know, it, it's going to take a year where the SEC does not have a clear-cut team to get into the playoffs, and I don't know if that will ever happen. But – if it doesn't, I think that's when you see them say, okay, it's time for us to get that nine-game conference schedule. Let's get everybody unified uh, in terms of the Power Five 
the only other way I see it happening is if the Power Five actually break away completely from the mm-hmm. NCAA. And that is a possibility. Yeah. You could see that yeah, with this television contract coming up. That, that is something a lot right. of people are not talking about, but it is possible. The, the Power Five football teams do not need the NCAA. Uh, that's what people don't realize. Yeah. That the, the college football almost runs itself autonomously from the regular NCAA. It's just a settlement agreement uh, for them to to abide by the NCAA standards. They don't have to do that. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. Uh, yeah, so basically that, that's, that's just what it is. Uh, I personally think the ACC was close a few years ago, real close, to go on nine games, and then at the last minute they just jumped the jump ship. But I think they're waiting. Personally, they're waiting on the SEC. But to your point, the ACC may, if it's going to make them and ESPN more money, they're going to go to nine games sooner rather than later, leaving the SEC mm-hmm. as a long holdout, and who knows what the hell happens from there. Uh, right quick, fellas. See, I, uh, I'm sorry. I'm going to just no, say no, something real quick about this. So I don't. Sure, sure. Go ahead. You know, I I agree with what Andy's saying for the most part, but I I don't think mm-hmm. I don't think the SEC is ever going to come around because there's no motivation for them to at this point, unless complete mm-hmm. chaos break. I mean, just last year we just had two teams in the SEC or in the college football right. playoff, two SEC teams. So right, yeah, I think the only way what I'm saying I, is like they're starting on their decline. If their power declines to the point where they don't get anybody in, they they don't control anything anymore. Yeah, no, I agree with you, but I think for the time being, I don't see I don't see Alabama going anywhere for the time being, right? Until this contract moves up, we'll see. Right. Um, but and Georgia's only getting better. So what I think is going to have to happen for the SEC to go to nine games is going to have to be mandated in some kind of contract somewhere, because right now there's no yep. motivation for them to to move away from it. So that's that's all I have on that one. That's a good point. It's all about the dollar bill, the contract. So if it, if it makes money, it makes sense. So we'll see about that. Um, right quick, before we go into our predicted order of finishes on the East and West uh, divisions, outside of Ohio State and Wisconsin, who are your teams to watch? Uh, because we all know that they're strong up top, and maybe you could throw Penn State in there because we all know Penn State's pretty strong now. Uh, finally, like recovering from the whole – uh, 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 uh slap, if you will, with the NCAA, with them losing all scholarships, and now they got the scholarships back. They're still that uh, Penn State is humming and rolling like they once were when we were all kids. Um, so at any rate, <laughs> I'll start with, with with Phil. Um, what teams outside of Ohio State, Wisconsin, and probably Penn State, or should we keep an eye on this season? So I'm gonna have to. I feel like I'm gonna have to turn in my Ohio State card after this. Show Don't because you I, do it. I keep Don't I keep ticking. I'm sure I keep ticking Ohio State fans off, but I I really believe that Michigan is being undersold this year, and and I think Ooh, the passes. reason I think that yeah well there's there's that but there's you know they've got nine of eleven starters back on a defense that by the way last Ooh. year was replacing wholesale changes and still finished number three in the country in defense, and that was a year right. after. They finished number one in the country on defense. So their defense isn't going anywhere. Right. That defense is going to be another top five unit probably. And so they're just going to have to figure it out on the offensive side of the ball. And that's always been the problem, right, for, for Michigan and Jim Harbaugh. Amazingly enough, he hasn't been able to find himself a quarterback, even though he's known as the quarterback whisperer. 
Um, but I think I think they have enough back at the skill positions. I mean, that wide receiver, wide receiving group, is deep and and they're coming back and they from injuries. They're deep and talented. The running backs are deep and talented. They've got a lot of skill sets there on on the offensive side of the ball. And if Shea Patterson can do anything at all on offense with that around him, and the big caveat, offensive line's got to be better. But I think Michigan right. is being undersold, and I think Michigan is going to be surprise a lot of people this year and and i think finally the you know jim harbaugh things kind of lost its luster i think he gets a little bit of credence this year don't they play in notre dame at notre dame this year or do they go to the big house trying to it's trying in, to notre, it's in uh, south bend i believe yeah it's at notre dame it's in, oh, okay yeah it's at notre dame oh, right right it's at yep. notre dame. right so i'm looking at the schedule fellas to to your point phil it they, if they go in and do Notre Dame at the big, at, I'm sorry, at, at South Bend, I mean, the rest of the schedule, aside from Ohio State, of course, um, sets up pretty well because they host, um, aside, aside from, from, the, from, from, the, from the yearly games against the likes of Western Michigan and other teams from the back of Michigan, State of Michigan, they get Wisconsin at home, they get Ohio State, well, well, they go to Ohio State, but still, they, 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 they get Wisconsin at home. They get Penn State at home. And, you know, the only, you know, they get Nebraska at home. The only tough team they have to play on the road outside of Notre Dame, and of course, Ohio State, is Northwestern. And they're better than Northwestern, at least on paper. And I think they're better than Michigan State. So, if, I'm telling you, because if, if, if Michigan goes in and beats Notre Dame at, at, on the road, it sets up very well till the end of the season. Yeah. So that end of the season matchup is going to be hella exciting. And that's yeah, and you don't know what you're going to get in a rivalry game either, right? People like to say they got to go to Ohio State, but Michigan's played well at Ohio State plenty of times in this rivalry because that's what it is. It's a rivalry game, and you get right. up and you play. So I just think the defense is going to be crazy good this year, and I think they'll be much better on offense than they were last year. All right, how about you, Andrew? Who's your dark horse outside of the big three? Um, Indiana, I'm going to say Indiana. Ohio State, uh, Wisconsin, and, <laughs> and perhaps Penn State. So I'm going to give you two teams. I'm going to give you one from each division. I'll make the West Division uh, a real quick one. I think Iowa is a team that no, you've got to watch for uh, because they've got hmm. one, of, one of the three or four really good returning starting quarterbacks. Uh, Nate Stanley, for some of the mistakes that he made, was also put that tape on of the Ohio State game and he's not an no. NFL caliber quarterback. <laughs> you know, I mean, they just beat down that Ohio State defense time and time again. Uh, but, so Iowa's a team to watch on the west. On the east side, I couldn't disagree more about Michigan, but I'm staying in the state of Michigan. I think the Spartan Dogs are back. Uh, you take a look mm. at they've got a great linebacking core. They got Kenny Willekes, they've got Joe Bocci, they've got some really big studs. Now, of course, they do lose Josiah Scott for about two months of the season at at corner, and that's a big loss for them. Um, he's at least out for two months. That's a big loss. But they've got some talent at corner. Most importantly for me, they've got the biggest gunslinger and the biggest moxie quarterback in the Big Ten. And Brian Lewerke, everybody undersells what he did. If you look at this team last season and where they ended up, they almost ended up in Indianapolis. 
People forget about that. And it was because mm-hmm. of Brian Lewerke. He put that team on his yeah. back. They couldn't run the ball to save their lives if it weren't for him. And he put that team on his back. The offensive line is better this season. The defensive line is deeper. There's more depth uh, around the ball. Um, and they're clear from a lot of scandal and, and all the BS that went around that program. I, I firmly believe Felton Davis Jr. or Felton Davis the third could be the best wide receiver in the Big Ten. Uh, when you put all of that together, and you've got a veteran group of running backs led by LJ Scott, who had it down with him last year, but could be uh, an interesting and intriguing name. Uh, they're deep everywhere and dangerous. So I think this is a team that, that can stand the test of time because unlike Michigan, who I think one injury to Shea Patterson it, away from not being a very good football team this season. And I just do not trust a quarterback transferring to Michigan. Too many of them have failed. Shea <laughs> Patterson has a better skill set. There's no doubt about it. But something mm-hmm. doesn't work. Uh, at Michigan. It, it, there's just something missing. Uh, you know, when, when Urban Meyer first went to Ohio State, it clicked. You know, there were some growing right. pains, but it was you knew that you are going to be a national title contender right away. Michigan, they got better, but not better enough. And so it'll be interesting to see right. what happens. But I'm going to Michigan State as my big sleeper in the Big Ten. Well, the, the okay, East division so, uh, is just so stacked, though. I mean, there's you got Ohio State, Michigan, oh, State, Michigan State. I think all all four of them are going to be really, really good. I think. Yeah, there's there's sure. legit I mean, six teams I think in the Big Ten that are top fifteen caliber teams. That's right. You, so so basically, it has to suck if you're Maryland. Now Maryland, you know, look, <laughs> I know you guys don't know this. Yeah, again, I'm an ACC guy, so you know you probably have a good idea how I feel about Maryland. <laughs> um, you know, they've been my favorite whipping boys for, for since they joined the Big Ten. <laughs> Albeit, at least they're honest. They want to get paid. At least they're honest about that. Yeah, but sorry, anyway, it's true. I, I still, I still, well, I they, still well. Their athletic but, program wouldn't exist today if they didn't join the Big Ten. I, absolutely point, true. That's probably true. Yep. Because they lost what seven, seven, four, seven, seven, seven types of programs. They had to drop their track team and drop. Oh yeah, drop like they were seven, bleeding money. Well, they were sports. they were bleeding over. I think it was over five or six million a year. In, yeah, uh, it was bad in in the red. It was really bad. It was not good at all. They they would have ceased to exist as an athletic program uh, if if they did not make that move. Wow. So that so that that speaks to have to do some better bookkeeping. Because if you, if you, if, I mean, if it weren't for that lifeline, theirs would be like the likes of Marshall or, or Maryland Eastern Shore. I mean, nothing against Maryland Eastern Shore, but but but, but anyway, going back to Maryland, how 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 it has to suck for them because to your point, the Big Ten East is stacked. Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State, Indiana's getting better. Rutgers trying to make some moves, and then there's Mel. I know the Maryland is nice. Maryland's been I know, I know well. that the exposures. I'm sorry. What was that? I was saying Maryland has actually been recruiting really well. We'll see if they put it on oh, the sure. this year. But, but they, yeah, I agree. Like they're stuck in between a rock and a hard place in that division. But they, all they well, need to do is find something that makes them unique. And once they do that, they're <laughs> going to be fine. Under DJ well, keep, if they if they keep their quarterbacks healthy, it would help too. I mean, you get a 
down to your what, yeah. third, fourth string yeah. quarterback last year, it didn't help things. <laughs> right. Right. No, I remember I mean, that Texas game like where they, they played Texas well. In that first game. Yeah, I was going to say Texas. I mean, they played well against Texas, but they lost their starters that game, didn't they? If I, if I, if they I lost, recall correctly, uh, is that yeah, correct? Yeah, Ty- Tyrell Figueroa went down in the yeah. third quarter with an ACL injury. Kasim Hill came in, right. led them in, led them in, led them in, in, uh, in Austin, led them to a comeback victory. That was his first college game as a true freshman in mm. Austin, won that football game, goes out, injures his own knee in the first <laughs> quarter of the very mm-hmm. next uh, game, and that was yeah. it for the Terps last season. Didn't matter that they had a great yeah. run game. Didn't matter that their defense was not as bad as people put thought it was. Doesn't matter if you can't uh, if you're going three and out, you know, nine times out of ten. Yeah, I hear it. So what? Uh, uh, what am I saying about teams who that caught my attention? How do you think Scott Frost is going to do at Nebraska? Any? Is, is, I think should there be any hope for Nebraska fans. I think he'll make a difference. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind he's going to make okay. a difference. But I think there's a long way, longer way to go in Nebraska than what people realize. They've been having sure. a problem getting good players in that program for quite some time. It's Nebraska, so you still get decent players, but they're not getting the caliber of athlete they used to get nowhere near, especially on defense. And until they can mm. fix things on a defensive side, which I'm a little worried about with Scott Frost, um, they're still mm. going to have a problem in the Big Ten. He'll, he'll get it turned around. And he's going to make a difference, I think, almost immediately. But it's going to take him, I think, a, a few years to really get things cooking there. It, it, yeah, I'll say this. If you're Wisconsin, you have to – this is going to be a strange statement, but you actually have to like Scott Frost coming into your division because there really yeah, hasn't sure. been a consistent – there has not been a consistent challenger. There hasn't been a team that – like, you want to compete against the best. You want to be able to go into that Big Ten title game knowing what it takes to knock out another big boy, right? You can't guarantee that every year you're going to play Michigan or in Penn State. You know, some years you're going to get Rutgers, Maryland, and uh, or mm-hmm. you're going to get Indiana, Penn State, and Maryland. You know, so – And that hurt. It, that hurt last year big time, it, too. Yeah, that hurt Wisconsin yeah. big time. Had they, I, they could have had an argument if they would have lost that Big Ten title game. Had they – had they had a one other better East Division opponent won that game, gone undefeated against two teams that would have been in the top 15 uh, when they played them, he, they would have probably been in. But to the point of Scott Frost, I think he makes a difference. I agree with Phil, though. This is all about defense. Luckily for them, I think they've got the right guy in Eric Chenander um, at, yep. at uh, defensive coordinator. They've already also have – they had already begun the transition to the 3-4 on the defensive side of the ball. And so they uh-huh. should be better this season. They've got some really interesting parts at wide receiver, which should help Scott Burns. But I think this is a long-term solution. I think this is a four- to five-year scenario before they're really a consistent challenger to Wisconsin. And, and Wisconsin fans would love nothing more than beating up a really good Nebraska team because – they're used to <laughs> Nebraska every single time they see them. And it's a shame because when they first came in, it was it meant something, and now it really doesn't. Yeah, I remember that. I remember the whole hype around it, uh, the, the likes of Wisconsin facing Nebraska, Nebraska facing Ohio State, Michigan. I mean, one one big reason I think the, the recruiting tail off for Nebraska 
is Nebraska doesn't play in the Big 12 anymore. They, they used to get all those Texas athletes because they yes. know that those athletes would be playing, in, 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 like in the state of Texas, at least twice to three times a year, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, sure. It's hard different. enough to recruit. Hard enough to recruit out of Nebraska. You just don't have a big pipeline to, to draw from there. You have to go national. You have to go down to Texas. And, you know, once things started to slide for Nebraska, when you don't have the built-in advantages that some of the other programs do that can, can pull from, a, like, a Florida or or if you're in a hotbed recruiting area like a Texas, you know, that, that really hurt them. And they started mm-hmm. losing those recruits in Texas, and then they started missing out on some of their recruits. And then next thing you know, you've lost that momentum. You don't have that pipeline you can you can draw from. And, and that's why I think Andy and I both agree it's going to take a little bit of time to get that established again. Yeah, and plus, I, I, I didn't think that Nebraska fans would eventually get an SSB by Iowa on a yearly basis either. So, I mean, there's <laughs> a lot of things that – Scott Frost will have to clean up, and he's a native yep. son. He, I mean, he, I mean, they, they're going to give him time because he's one of them. He's a cornhusker. But That's it's right. going to be, man, I never thought it would be such tough sledding for Nebraska during the Big Ten. I didn't see. And, and it's a good reason why for a son of recruiting and everything. I just never thought I'd see, see that coming for a program like Nebraska. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so let's uh, – Let's just, let's, let's just wrap this segment up here uh, by predicting who's going to come out of the East, who's going to come out the West. This may, I, I think we may share a brain on the West. We might be split on the East. We might not be. But I'll go ahead and just cast my lot. I got Ohio State barely beating out Michigan in the East. I got Wisconsin going in unchallenged in the West. And I think Ohio State will beat Wisconsin in the uh, Big Ten title game, and I think that Ohio State will right the wrong of last season and get into the college football playoffs. So, Andrew, you're up, sir. Who do you have winning the East and the West and all that good stuff? <laughs> I think he, I think we're all going to say the same thing. Wisconsin out of the West. My only question is, this is an undefeated Wisconsin or a one-loss Wisconsin? Um, I think they get one mm-hmm. of those games between Michigan and Penn State on the road. At least one. If they get both of them, um, it'll, it'll be very interesting once again uh, for the college football playoff yeah. committee. Luckily for the Badgers in that scenario, they're likely to have been way higher up early on, um, and it mm-hmm. might not hurt them as much. But coming out of the East, I'm going to go with my sleeper team. I really think Michigan State is the team to watch. I think they have the mm. dangerous I, I just, for me, Ohio State has a lot of pieces to replace from last season. They've, they've proven sure. that they can do it. But the, the one question mark for me, we saw a good performance from Dwayne Haskins, um, and I think he looks like the piece to the puzzle. But this is his first year as a, as a full-time starter. And we've seen other people have ups and downs and, you know, kind of riding the wave of the season as a as the first year starter at Ohio State. I just don't know if defensively the pieces that are being replaced are being replaced by people that are as good or better than them, like they have in the past. Um, so ultimately, I think Michigan State wins this division in a very very convoluted scenario. I think whoever comes out of that side of the division has at least one, if not two, losses going into 
to the Big Ten championship game because they, that division beats the crap out of each other. Um, so I'm going to go mm-hmm. to Michigan State to survive this weird, crazy foursome between Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, <laughs> and Michigan State. Okay. Yeah, and I'm, yeah. I'm going to fall in line with, with the, uh, you know, the Wisconsin pick, although I will say, you know, Wisconsin's schedule has ratcheted up quite a bit this year. They got to go to Iowa, to Michigan, right. to Northwestern, to Penn State. So, look, if Wisconsin goes undefeated, you put them in a playoff because no one's going to complain right. about the schedule of Wisconsin this year. But I don't, you know, I think I still, I'm still picking Wisconsin. I think there's probably a loss in there somewhere, maybe even two with that schedule. Andy, hate to tell you that, uh, but Wisconsin would be a fantastic oh, team. I'm not going to argue. I think I, I think they, I think two losses too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think they. I still think they come out of the West. Um, I do have Northwestern as the second team out of the West, and and the reason I say that is I, wow. I think. Um, well, first of all, let me let me clarify that statement because and Andy's going to laugh because we have learned never to pick games with four Northwestern <laughs> or Iowa because one minute they look good and the next minute they don't, um, so they could totally prove me wrong. You never know what you're going to get from Northwestern uh, on a year-to-year basis, a game-to-game basis, and a quarter-quarter basis. But with Clayton mm-hmm. Thorson, I know there's questions about how healthy he is. I think people are missing the boat on how good Clayton Thorson is. And I'm reading between the lines of what Pat Fitzgerald is saying about how he's coming along in his progress and how he believes he's going to be a first-rounder. I think he's going to be ready. Um, if not for game one, he's going to be ready very early in the season. I think Clayton Thorson, and they're going to Northwestern everyone to death and just find a way to get it done. And then with Clayton Thorson on offense, I think they're going to beat some people that you don't think. So, anyway, Wisconsin in, in the West, Northwestern with the second uh, follow-up there. And then in the East, I'm still going to stick with Ohio State. I still think Ohio State still has the most talent. Yeah, they lose some on defense, but they've recruited better mm-hmm. than anybody else in the country, if not named Alabama. And you could even say, based on development, Ohio State is right there with Alabama. Those guys in the secondary are going to find a way to, to still be good and still plug in the machine that's been going there. Linebackers is the one position, I think, where you have question marks, but there's four and five-star recruits there as well that are coming into the fold. And offensively, man, they just they're, they got almost everybody back, aside from Dwayne Haskins, right? That's the big question. People are going to game plan for him now. And, Andy, I think it's what you're alluding to. He didn't, Michigan didn't game plan for Dwayne Haskins when he came in the game. He looked fantastic. Now they're going to be able to game plan for him. But you have – you know, arguably the best uh, running back tandem in the league. In the, league. Um, the wide receiver core has all six of the top wide receivers back, and that offensive line is as deep as maybe it's ever been at Ohio State, even though they have to replace so-called a couple starters. Well, by the way, last year those starters were injured, and that's why they weren't starters. They'll be starters this year. So I think mm-hmm. Ohio State has the most talent. It's all going to come down to breaks and schedule. But mm-hmm. if I'm going to pick a team, I'm picking the team with the best – talent, and that's Ohio State on East. In the championship game, obviously Ohio State-Wisconsin, and yes, I'm going to go homer and pick Ohio State there as well. See, yeah, no, I'm going Wisconsin in this scenario. If for (laughs) one reason, Alex Hornbrook gets some redemption, um, I I just think eventually they're going to find that way over the hump. Uh, It's it's been, you know, three three out of four seasons and uh, three losses. No way that happens a fourth time if if they get there. Right. You know what so they say me, about a pattern. Let me ask y'all. Right. Let, let me ask y'all this one last question. It just popped in my head. What a guy. Um, do you think if 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 if, uh, if Jim Harbaugh does not get 
Michigan at least a, a a division championship either this year or next year. Is it too early to say that he would be on the hottest of seats of college football? I don't you could answer this. I will take it real so, quick. If he doesn't win at least a division this year, you cannot pay that man that kind of money to produce zero right. results. He's also gone sure. if he can't beat Ohio State, which is likely the scenario to get them to win the division, um, and mm-hmm. he hasn't done that. If you can't if you can't do both of those things, let alone one of those things at Michigan, you can't be paid eight, nine million dollars a year and be mediocre. And mediocre at Michigan right. is winning nine, ten games and, and competing in a, a, a very good bowl game. You can't do that. They're, they they brought Jim Harbaugh in to do one thing, get them back into the national title hunt. And he hasn't done it. And if after four years and Four great recruiting classes. Would it take? Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I agree. So I think, you know, if he doesn't beat Ohio State this year or win the division, I think he's got to switch from khakis to a welder suit. I mean, it's going to be pretty hot for him because he's not done anything close to what he's done. Third and fourth in division just isn't going to cut it. However, I would ask, you know, I think he's gone after this year if he doesn't do it, but definitely his seat gets really, really hot ahead into the next year. But I would also ask, you know, what's the alternative? Who are you going to go out and get? I mean, so – and we don't know that right now. Maybe there's a hot coach that comes up at the, at the end of the year. But I don't know if there's so many – too many different better scenarios out there for Michigan opposed to what they had with, with Jim Harbaugh. I mean, they failed twice, two or three times now. We'll, we'll see. But, yeah, I think definitely at some point, if he doesn't show up in this year and beat – to do something that they've all expected him to do, it, it will get hot. They'll give him another year. But it, it's definitely going to make the – the rumbles in, in the athletic department and fan base much, much louder. Jim, I really appreciate that this was fun. I, I haven't taught Big Ten this early in a long time, and I'm serious about that. I uh, really appreciate Have it. we brought you uh, over to the dark right side? Uh, you know what? I've been on the dark side. I, I've been tap dancing the dark side for the past five years. Uh, <laughs> I got you. If you marry to a Ohio family, it does that for you. Yeah. Um, I hear right, you. Right quick, Phil. And, uh, when is when you can listeners tune into the Talking Ten podcast? Andy, I'll let you take that. Yeah, they can oh, listen Andy, to yeah. the Talking Ten podcast. Uh, usually every Wednesday morning, it'll it'll drop. Uh, we want to make sure that okay. we're getting the freshest information going in to the week ahead, and we'll also do a little recap. But more importantly, we'll be talking about the big stories and, and things around the conference and uh, and the Big Ten in general. And, of course, every week our uh, prediction pack uh, will happen throughout the season. So it will be a lot of fun every Wednesday morning. You can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, and all sorts of places. Cool. And also, one last thing, Andrew, uh, when can they catch the Andrew Coffin Show? Yeah, that usually is going to drop on Tuesday nights. And okay. Uh, they can they can catch that um, iTunes and Stitcher. I also do an IGTV show that's uh, with that called the Wake Up Call. It's just quick ten ten minutes or less on uh, takes on how the media is covering sports, and so it's a little bit different than what you're seeing from the general sports media world today. Cool. Well, again, I hope the listeners tune in to both. Uh, podcast and the radio show. 
Thank you all both, Andrew. Thank you, Phil. This was fun. We'll definitely do it again during, during this college football season. Appreciate y'all. Sounds good, man. Appreciate Thanks it. for having us. All right. Thank, thank you. Take care. That, that, was, that was Andrew Coppins from the Andrew Coppins Show, as well as Phil Harrison, both of the Talk at 10 podcast. You can find them both on Twitter. I put up Phil's information, uh, Phil on Twitter, at Phil Harrison, DW, Phil with one L. And with Andrew Coppins, uh, it would be at the Coppins Show. Um, so please tune into that. Now here's my final thought on LeBron James versus Donald Trump. Well, a, a, kind of a hell of a way to end this podcast. Um, but anyway, I was I was trying I was racking my mind how to how to approach this. I mean, I was I have very strong feelings about this, obviously. Um, even though I'm not a big fan of LeBron James to play, I'm a big fan, bigger fan of his as the man. That's just LeBron James the man. And I was listening to Colin Calhoun yesterday, and he put it almost perfectly. You you got some a lot of fans out there who want sportscasters, journalists, athletes to quote stick to sports. Okay, people say they use sports to get away from it all, get away from the nonsense, blah blah blah. Which is why a lot of them are not down with how the players choose to, the NFL players choose to protest every Sunday, bringing awareness to uh, uh, police brutality and also all and other social injustice issues. Um, but if you have politicians who can't stick to politics, it's kind of hard to tell sports personalities and athletes, whoever, to stick to quote stick to sports. So imagine. And, and I love the way Colin Coward put this. Imagine you're driving down a freeway, and if you have some some jackhole trying to like worse swerve in and in out of his lane, almost to the point of possibly hitting you. What are you supposed to do if someone tries to hit you? Well, not tries to hit you, but uh, is a version hitting you if they're like go, if they're not staying in their own lane on the highway. So that's how I feel about President Trump, how he's been doing. Whether it's the NFL, the other sports personalities, the other people in general, he, he he can't stick to politics. He has to put his tip his toe in any other thing. So, as far as I'm concerned, sports personalities and athletes can say whatever the hell they want about politics <laughs> because the president can't stick to his side. So let me just say this: it's one thing for the president to, and I can't believe I'm about to say this about seeing this from an elected official and from the person who's supposed to be the power, most powerful person in the world to be as petty as he has been. I've never seen that before. Any president, no matter what, Democrat, Republican, whatever. I haven't seen this before in my life. And I'm old enough to remember Ronald Reagan's terms. Yeah, I'll be 45 years old next month. So I go back to the early 80s as far as politics go. But, you know, the thing is, is if, you, if he's going to go after anyone, Brian James is not the right guy to go after. Okay, we, we can always say everything about his school, his I Promise school, which I think is amazing, even though he's not the first. Jalen Rose has his own academy in, in Detroit, Michigan right now that's doing a great job graduating at risk youth there as well. I mean, LeBron, I mean, he, 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 he's, such a, uh, um, he's such a giving figure. He gives back a lot off the field, I mean, off the court. And he's an ambassador of, to, to the NBA. He's a worldwide icon. And, and also, now outside of that, 
I mean, Trump, like Donald Trump always Trump Trump like Trump Trump is if you will about be doing things the American way and all Americans is national standpoint and making America great again, so to speak. LeBron James is the ultimate American success story. Here's a guy, while Donald Trump has, was essentially born on third base on the way to home plate, because, you know, his dad and his granddad were both um, hotel-like magnets. Uh, LeBron James was born in the – his, his guy like started in the dugout, maybe in the bullpen, because he was born to a teenage mother. I don't know if he knows who his father is. But he had father figures in his life. He lived in poverty for the first few years of his life. And it just so happened to be, be gifted by the – had this God's gift of, of being an excellent basketball player. Now the best basketball player in the world. And the way – you know, he has his own agency. He's branching out of Hollywood. He's becoming more of a, 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 a figure off the court in the financial world. He makes great financial decisions. And for him, for him, for the president to call him and Donald Lemon dumb, it's just laughable to me. So, in, uh, in, in, uh, I know that um, Aaron Rodgers for the Green Bay Packers suggests that maybe you should ignore the hell out of Donald Trump. Maybe he'll go the hell away. Well, you can't really ignore someone like that, like, you know, like, like giving Donald Trump what, what he's been doing, what he's been saying, and – in in in, in, in uh, basically doing doing those things because keep in mind people didn't take this guy seriously in the primaries and lead up to the elections and especially in the general election um, almost no not many people took him seriously here he is so and plus there's there's, there's some talk I know Shannon Sharp said in the speech this morning as well as the bills that well 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 Rogers had a great idea of of not of, of paying the president no mind. That's because it's easy for them to it's easy for him to say they they surmise because that he is a white guy, and uh, a lot of the things that President Trump has been espousing that's not affect white men like Aaron Rodgers, but he but everyone does have a point. And LeBron, to, for to his credit, didn't has not gotten any engaged any wasteless back and forth with the president because it would have been just that a waste of time. So there's something to be said to that. But look. It is what it is as far as the president dipping his toes in the sports world, like constantly chastising the NFL because naming the NFL uh, and the NFL owners rather a lot keeps allowing it to happen. Um, but, you know, I, it's, just, it's just this is real life. <laughs> Hashtag is real life. So as far as like the president calling out sports figures just because they don't agree with them and don't want to meet with them, uh, it's just it's just bizarre world, but it's great. Props to LeBron for being a further fray, and props, bigger props, and, and not bigger props, but big props as well to Aaron Rodgers to say, you know what, just just ignore this dude. I mean, he is where he is. He comes off as petulant, so why am bother? But let's size as 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 sort of just want to say. I mean, I just can't believe it's real life, y'all, but. Anyway, what a way to kick off this wonderful podcast while talking about politics and sports. But anyway, thank y'all for tuning in to the podcast. This is the Clown Hour. I'm Scott Berg signing off 06. Peace out and good night.
With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, oh. 